Hello, and thank you for joining this episode of This Is Just A Phase. I'm your host, Jonathan Kent. Uh, A few reminders before we get started with the episode. Uh, I just want to remind everybody to check out This Is Just A Phase Facebook group. Um, It seems like a lot more members are joining, which is good because that means more listens to the podcast. And that is excellent for me and excellent for the guests who uh, come on the podcast to promote themselves and uh, share their stories. Um, I'm truly humbled by how many people have been listening and it just continues to grow and grow. And I couldn't be any more happier with that. Um, Also, check out my Instagram at JonathanKent.311 for a lot of the same information that's found on the Facebook group page. And um, I also have a Twitter at T-I-J-A-P podcast. I don't post as much on there as I would like to, but there is some updates of uh, episodes kind of thrown throughout throughout uh, uh, my post every now and again. So uh, with that being said, uh, Jay Prozac, why don't you take us away? On this episode, I have the honor of chatting with a huge influence on me, John Jughead Pearson of the groups The Mitochondriacs, Even in Blackouts, The Mopes, and Screeching Weasel, as well as from his amazing podcast, Jughead's Basement, Lo-Fi Interviews with Hi-Fi Guests. We chat about the formation of The Mitochondriacs with members of fellow Chicago band Cobain's, his approach to interviewing guests on his podcast, some funny stories from his time in Screeching Weasel, stepping out as leader and songwriter and even in blackouts, his experience performing in theater groups over the majority of his life, and so much more. So sit back and get energized by this episode of This Is Just A Phase. Here's a song from the Mitochondriacs' anonymous debut album entitled, I Want It All. I'm sorry. It's hard for me to <laughs> sing that goddamn part. All right. I want it all. I want it all. I want it all. I want a Bitcoin, watch a pretty baby face on a plate with an apple in your gap. I want to play. You go to see rhythm brain Throw from your head and place at the foot of my bed. Oh, yeah. I want it all. I want it all. I 
Hello? Hello. Hello, John. Hello to you. Hello to you. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. this is this is a thing called Anchor, huh? Yes, it is. It's uh, an app that I found out um, from a, a, a of mine that uh, you can actually do through your phone and it's free. Cool. So that's, uh, yeah, I didn't have a laptop at the time that I uh, started doing the podcast. I thought, you know, if I have the option to do it through my phone, that that was a pretty cool option. So I went with that. Well, it seems to, it looks nice and it sounds good. Yeah, it does. It sounds really great. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that whole issue with uh, Facebook going on. Yeah, I was, I thought it was, uh, you probably both thought it was ourselves. And then I, uh, I decided I go all my other, uh, websites are working so i googled it and said yeah they all went down yeah i didn't even look it up i thought i it was kept telling me i lost my wi-fi and i had four yeah. bars on my wi-fi and uh <clears throat> i was going around i was like i don't understand why it's nothing's loading up no pictures on facebook were loading up and then it booted me out and then i had like no way to do anything and i was like oh shoot and you told me you you weren't available after the seventh and i was like oh I don't want to have to reschedule this. So I'm glad we were able to connect uh, uh, through through uh, through a phone call. So that worked out great. Your girlfriend's coming in and you yeah. want to be available after the 7th. So that is true. I didn't want to uh, to have to scramble around and try to find a different way to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. You have to start. I, we, we're, with, we're actually starting on the time that we originally agreed on, even though. We wanted to do it earlier. Yeah, I have to. I have to pick. My, I have to pick my son up at the bus stop at uh, ten after three. So that's my oh, okay. time. So yeah, oh, that's what I was. All right. But um, thank well, you so much. Down, let's get down to the facts. Get, let's get down to the facts, <laughs> John. John, I, I tell you what, I am. I am super stoked and super excited that you reached out to me. Oh. Um, I've been a fan of your of of you and your bands. Um, not to age myself, but since, or age you, I should say. Uh, <laughs> age both of us. <laughs> uh, since since I was 13 years old. So I've yeah. been following the trajectory of your career uh, with Screeching Weasel and even in Blackouts and the Mopes and now with the Mitochondriacs. Mm. Um, I'm also a huge fan of your podcast. I listen to it uh, all the time. It's my top three podcasts to listen to. Oh, thank you. Uh, you're welcome. I, I love I love your style of podcasting. Um, I love the I love the 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 direction you go with it. You 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 come from a very nonchalant attitude in regards to doing the podcast, and uh, mm. it, it was very influential on me starting a podcast because I was like, you know, he's you know, I think you started doing it on your phone too, or you were doing it on an old laptop. Uh, originally, it was like nine years ago, so it was definitely an old uh, laptop when I started. Yeah. No, oh, no. but the, the one I was having trouble recently because my laptop was is bad. It was born bad. <laughs> <laughs> Quite literally, born bad. Yeah, it was a the guy who actually designed the the Weasel logo. Also, is one of the guys who originally uh, did a lot of the art for Halo and came up with the title. You know, for the Xbox game. Oh, and he, okay, yeah. And he sold his stock and bought a house and was 
buying things for people that they needed. And he heard I needed a computer. So he got me a refurbished one and him and they both sucked. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but I didn't tell him for the longest time because it's like, oh, this was a gift. But it was taking me about not even exaggerating, maybe about 20 times longer to do my podcast than normal. Like it was taking about seven to 10 hours to edit something that would take me like an hour, hour and a half. Oh. But I was just like, I can't complain to him one night. But then one night at six in the morning when I had to get the podcast out by the morning, <laughs> I just I sent him a message and said, this computer is Satan. <laughs> and he said, he goes, oh, I'm glad you told me because mine is too. And I thought it was just me. And I was like, oh, OK, well, there we go. <laughs> so you didn't feel so bad because he was having the same problem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it worked out. So then, then uh, Lauren Banjo, uh, I don't know if you know her, but uh, she, yeah, she works with uh, yeah Dr. Frank a lot. She uh, put a GoFundMe up on line, and within a within just overnight, uh, I got enough to buy a nice one. So, see, that's awesome. See, that's... yeah, it's really great to have people that help out like that. Yeah, it's 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 nice that uh, you know people people support each other within within the scene and and look yeah. out for one another and and that's the one thing i've noticed as i get older it has less to do with the whole kind of punk mentality and more about a, a, more of a sense of community as you get older yeah i would like to think that was always there but it was you know but when you're younger you're a little bit more feisty and willing to step on other toes and you're not you know you don't have a sense of the history yet uh to, to realize how much social, uh, you know, communication and compassion is important, but uh, oh, exactly. But still that what? Go, go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but there's still that sense of uh, like the I, the uh, scene that we started from, which was you know part of the lookout scene, was uh, you know in California, so they had some hippie influences. So it was a lot about community and collectives, like everyone lived together in there. So I think it's always been around. It's just uh, when you get older, it becomes a little deeper. I think or more complicated yeah i kind of i noticed that too i i, I came up getting into punk music the uh, same way a lot of people my generation did was through lookout through green day through that whole that whole punk revival the explosion if you will yeah. and and i was too young in my teens to know any of that in my 20s i was too rebellious to to notice those things but after, you know, becoming a parent and, and being married and stuff like that, like my my wife comes to me and she goes, the thing I like about punk rock, because she's she comes from an outside perspective mm -hmm. and I joke around. She's a normie. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but she 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 says, because the thing I love about punk is that how much everybody supports one another within that scene. Yeah. And she goes, you don't hear about that a lot from other scenes or at least i i'm not aware of it because she's married to me and she's my brother-in-law has also played in punk bands as well yeah so she gets that she gets that perception and she she loves how everybody seems to be very supportive of one another yeah i think punk for some reason i don't know whether it was just the timeline in history where, where music started to take this turn but it's i think one of the only forms of music that has like a deep philosophy behind it and it, it varies and people misunderstand it or or have different views of what punk's philosophy is but it it does have one rock really doesn't have one besides you know trying to be as loud as you can and upset your mom <laughs> but <laughs> punk always seems to have come with some sort of aesthetic with it like whether it was like 
clothes and the you know and the with the sex pistols and but there was still that sense of rebellion against you know the queen or you know even the ramones you know i mean they all had their different rebellions oh but for sure and i, and seems, I like yeah it seems really uh attached to, to punk in general to have some sort of more, more that's what i'm trying to do with the podcast too is make people realize how meaningful and actually intellectual punk can be and it's not just like break that garbage can because you're angry <laughs> and I, you know what, exactly. And that's, I, I'm glad you touched on the, the philosophy of things. The one thing I love about your podcast is that you get very insightful with your guests. You know, you, you, you pull the layers back from just the, the atypical thing of what punk rock is. You know what I mean? Like you get, you ask people those, those deeper and meaningful questions more than just saying, Hey, uh, how'd you get into punk rock or this or that? And you're like, how does the scene make you feel? How do you view it yeah. as you get older? And I, I, that's very insightful and very deep. And I, I like that approach with the, with the podcast. Yeah, I think what I've learned, I think is I sometimes do directly ask the question, like, where did you first hear punk or something? But in general, it's I discovered that if you just explore someone's life or are curious as to the things they've done in life, it becomes it comes around to why they are a punk, you know, it, it's or or what type of person can be a punk or, you know, you don't have to directly ask that question because it's a difficult question to answer. Mm -hmm. And I was listening to your episode with uh, Greg Turner from Angry Samoans and, and uh, Vom, yeah. and you had brought that question up and, uh, you know, it was fresh in my mind because that was the most recent episode that you put out. And I'm. I'm listening to it and you got to the discussion about, about what punk is. Yeah. I, I think our definition of punk changes as we mature in the age, you know, it's very easy to be 20 years old, a teenager or a 20 year old and be like, you know, F the system and, and yeah. screw the government. And I want to rebel against my parents. But then when you're in your forties and fifties, it, it takes on a different meaning. It's, not so much nostalgia. You just you you view it differently as you as you get older. Yeah. Well, the one, I was also to clarify too. The one reason I did ask Greg Turner that is because he is, you know, it was uh, on Cream Magazine was one of the magazines at the time that basically discovered punk. You know, mm -hmm. there was no magazines really covering it until Punk Magazine in New York. Oh, so I yeah. thought it was really a specific question to ask him because he could give actual you know opinions about how it physically formed instead of like the philosophy behind it but i, I but i do agree with you i do agree with you that well but that's once again like that's you can say almost say that about any youth sort of the uh, thing you get involved in there's always some or should be a sense of rebellion and you know discovering something new and trying to find a new unique different way and you know you got all the energy and sometimes it comes out of anger sometimes it comes out in you know, having sex with anything that moves. You know? Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> then eventually your libido calms down and you're like, oh, people.
thing I also like that you, you touch on a lot is your theater background. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a unique, um, unique uh, <laughs> position. Cause like you hear about you know, punks being, you know, uh, do- you know, there's some punks who are doctors like Milo and, and Greg Gaffin and, and those people become doctors. And you say, so you, uh, you know, that, you know, that punks can be intelligent people. Yeah. But the thing that I like about you is that you're a very artful person. You're, you're very connected to what art is beyond just music. There's multifacets to your, to you and you as a person that I, I really enjoy that a lot. And I like how you and you interwove that with your interviews as well. Yeah. You know, to be honest with you, I wish I did. I was thinking about this cause I did a podcast Q and a, and I was like, and they're all about me specifically. And I was like, Oh damn, that's right. My knowledge is really just about me and art. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know about, you know, I don't know about some, you know, surgery or heart surgery or, you know, the new, the new science. I try to study science, but no one's going to ask me questions about science. <laughs> yeah, unless unless we just, we start talking about science, and then I'm fine yeah, yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah. But I I find myself to be a creative person too, and and uh, I'm I'm a writer. I'm a, a reader. I I find myself gravitated to knowing as much information about subjects because I enjoy learning. And even in a digital age now, like I still find myself going to, you know, news articles or Wikipedia, because if I don't, if I hear something, I was like, I want to know more about that subject if I don't know about it. So I, I gravitate towards people who do have that knowledge and that creative persona beyond just music. And I've never been a theater person, but I, I find that world uh interesting the the improvisational aspect of of doing something that way same thing with like stand-up comedy i i I find that world like so like uh so so interesting because i don't understand it completely yeah i I, why i i I wish i would would do more because i wish i knew more like stand-up people that are doing well but uh, I love that aspect of every once in a while doing an interview with a stand-up person because they are very interesting people it's, in which how they live their life and, and, and their view on comedy in general. And I think it's almost in a way they're a rock star, but they're, they're, they're taking a different medium with it. You know what I mean? They're, instead of singing a song, they're, they're creating a story which there's humor. And in the same way with with theater, you're you're creating a story, and you know you obviously with with a lot of theater, there's songs interwoven in there, and yeah. you're it's entertainment, you know what I mean? You're entertaining mass amounts of people, and you're you're trying to keep their attention to try to show them something that they hadn't experienced before. Yeah, I think that's uh, also just to add another layer on my particular theater interests they have a lot to do with um and why it crosses over with music more is it has to do with uh what i call non-illusory or meta theater where you're acknowledging the audience so a lot of theater you know it's all about it is about that facade and it's all about the rehearsal you've done and the your communication with the you know your scene partner and you're reacting a little bit to the audience but you don't let them know you're doing that i've always liked theater where you're always acknowledging the audience 
Uh, breaking the big... fourth wall. Breaking the fourth yeah, wall. Yeah, yeah, that's what a lot of people. Yeah, that's what a lot of people call it too. Yeah, non-illusory art is yeah, breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I find that I find that really interesting, and I, 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 like I said, I've listened to tons of your episodes, and the one thing I've always found as you go into your backstory as well, especially with people who you know personally, whether it's. Uh, mass or larry livermore or dan vapid or somebody yeah. that you have a close relationship with that you always kind of interwove those storylines because they understand where they're where you're coming from because they know you personally yeah that is true yeah i, I, like yeah, I know i do i do try to do them too and people that don't know me but i have to actually put in some forethought beforehand like how do i paint this like short story with it still having to do with this person that i don't really know <laughs> do you, yeah <laughs> do you find that difficult with people you don't know like do you do you kind of do kind of like think in your head like do i do i incorporate this into this conversation or well i, I think not? what happens in general why and i did this in theater too like improvisation there's uh, was a big part of it uh, in improvisation there's this thing called the herald where uh before the show everyone the everyone in the cast just gathers together and throws out words like they bounce words off each other, not even like stories or anything, just words, like almost like that. Uh, uh, what do they call it in, in psychology? The, uh, you know, the, the word, you know, I say a word, you say a word, that type of thing. Oh, like you try like, to interconnect them together. Yeah. 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 I say dark, you say light, you know, and then, then it goes on and on and on. Well, you basically do that. And then um, it, it affects the, you don't talk about it, but it affects the scenes that you do. It sort of sets up, uh, gives you, uh, material to feed off of and that's kind of what I do with the uh, with the people I don't know is that when I'm studying them I, I'll i get ideas of like or I'll think of my own life and then I'll just jot down a couple of those mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that it actually has something to do with what I've learned about them so that they can relate it back to themselves because that's always the point to me is opening up to them to say that I'm willing to share but also put it in an arena where they're able to react to it, you know, with, with their own life. That, that, that's really cool. And I, I, that was the one thing I was, I was trying to figure out when I started doing the podcast, I knew I could reach out to a lot of people. The, the thing was, is like, when I first started the podcast, I like, I had this rigid kind of style. Like I have these questions I have to ask them, blah, blah. Then I realized when, I, when a few interviews went a little, little iffy, I, I started, I started to look at it. It was like, you know what? I'm going to let, I'm going to start letting the conversation flow the way, like the interview is going to flow the way that the conversation goes. I'm going to stop trying to stick to a, a reporter style of interview yeah. um, and let, let it, let it talk like a, like a, like a phone conversation. And, and uh, we have a mutual friend in, in Jay Prozac. And that was the first time i realized maybe i should just let the phone conversation you know flow the way that it does so like the listener can feel like they're a part of like a conversation between the two of us yeah that 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 long form format is it's been around a long time but it's uh it's really been boosted up and altered with uh, the the invention of podcasts and people making up the you know how long they want to talk to somebody so it does put it into a different arena of just not like question and answer like a lot of those short ones and like if you look at those short interviews they're all about question and answer you have the answer you have these questions you have to get out and then the person almost you know if they're more fame more and more famous they get the more they've repeated those same questions over and over again so they have like a road to response and yeah, it was like, really important to me to to break that pattern 
and me too, like anybody, you could go, you could listen to any podcast and find out when a band is touring. You can find out, you can listen to a, a million podcasts about how a band yeah. formed. Yeah, you, you used to, you know, you used to need that back when the, the internet wasn't so, you know, so prevalent. You needed those interview people to get that information out. But now you don't really need that. No, I can be like, hey, check out these guys, you know, check out these bands on their band camp or the internets or Facebook, you know, yeah, connect, yeah. learn about these bands more. If you're interested by what you're hearing, then check them out. You know, I give I give the listener that 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 idea to be able to do that, you know. Yeah. No, it's different. The way the way people the way people get into music is a lot different now. You know, it's not as difficult to to find bands that you like. You mm. just it's at your fingertip on your phone or your on your computer, you know what I mean? When yeah. when we were younger, we had to look for it, right? <laughs> yeah, I think the hard thing and this is, I'm not young, so I don't know what where they find their passion, but I was I think I was talking to Dr. Frank about. I don't understand where you find that passion in something that you can find so easily. I just don't, uh, I don't get it. I think it sometimes exists. I just think it exists in a different, in a different style. I yeah. That's what I'm, that's what I think. I mean, it's just cause I'm old, I'm not in their perception, so I don't really understand it as much, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like I look at my kids and they're into stuff like TikTok and stuff and my, and my children always ask me, do you like TikTok? And I'm like, it's not meant for me. Like, yeah, I yeah. Yeah. I, I'm 40 years old. This isn't designed for me. You know, like this is designed for you. Yeah. And like, I just don't get it. I mean, I still struggle with a lot of social media. I mean, I have a Facebook, I have an Instagram, I have a Twitter, but it's not like I go on these things. I, mean, I probably spend the most time on Facebook because of Messenger and because of the groups I'm in. But um, yeah, I, I, I'd say the same thing about myself. I, I don't know if I'd have much interaction with it if I wasn't, you know, a, a public figure. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I like I, I feel that way. I think if it wasn't for my connections with music and, and doing the podcast, I was like, how much? Because during the during the quarantine, I got so burnt out on social media. Yeah, um, yeah. the whole I, I just got so burnt out on it. And I just I didn't like the way it made me feel. So I just decided, you know what? I'm going to leave my wall as it, and I'm going to go into the, the, the groups that I'm a part of and the, the, the people that I made through these, these groups and concentrate on that aspect of social media and leave all that, leave all that crazy pandemonium stuff alone. Cause I don't want to engage yeah. in any of that. Yeah. I think I've always somehow been aware of that or protected from it. I think it's once again, from the type of theater that I've chosen to be involved in, which is non-illusory or, you know, meta that, that my approach to, even when talking about something personal on Facebook, there is always a distance as a, as a writer. So I never really got into all the, I don't know, trying to figure out what's the facts and who's lying and who's, and, yeah. You know, and sometimes I guess uh, I, it's just, it's hard. Some of my friends get involved in like putting stuff out there they're like oh that's i don't know if that's needs to be out there or not yeah i learned or opinions kind of, like i don't know i learned to step away from it i got at, at first i was a part of it and i just the way it made me feel i was like i don't i don't want to do that i'd rather i'd rather consume my time with things that make me happy rather than make me feel anything other you know what yeah. i mean and yeah with, the, with think... social media you have that you have that option yeah, I think also maybe being semi-famous and in a punk scene that is 
like a lot of things, but maybe more so in our form of music is split. You th- it's not just left and, you know, it's, there's a lot of left and right going on. And I know a lot of people last decade or not decade, like a few years have really gotten into, if you don't agree with me, I'm going to unfriend you. And yeah. I was like, that's kind of stupid. Why do you, why do you do that? I mean, you kind of want to know what other people are thinking. Then you get stuck in a bubble and then you get frustrated when the world's not going the way you think it's supposed to. So, yeah, but I just, I, somehow I was keyed into all of that and I never really let it get to me. Yeah, I just think I kind of equate it to when a child throws a tantrum. It's like there's really no reasoning with a child when they throw a tantrum. You just pretty much have to let that child throw a tantrum, <laughs> yeah. let it get out of their system, and then move on with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good way, way to think I about it. Look, that's the way I look <laughs> at it. <laughs> get away from that but i want to i want to talk to you about the mitochondriacs okay because i i had i had marky eddie and maria uh on the on the on the podcast and that's how you reached out to me yeah which was quite humbling when you reached out to me i i was almost kind of shook a little bit when you when you when you (laughs) messaged me because i was like because i didn't i didn't like not make you a part of it because like i don't want you to be a part of it i was just 
I don't think I'll, I don't I don't think I'm quite there as a as a as a as a podcast to reach out to bigger people. So yeah. I, I um, didn't think that about you either. I just I know from a, for a fact that I'm in that weird position where people think that about me, but then I don't get any interviews. <laughs> Dude, that's absolutely. <laughs> and I was like, I wanted to. I was like, I, I was like, part of me was like, you know, well, why didn't I think of? He seems like a cool guy. Like, why wouldn't <laughs> I think I could reach out to him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not just you. It's it's just it's one of my situations. I just happen to be in. I just so I don't I've got know, a little like, bit more comfortable with reaching out to people and going, hey. <laughs> I think I think what it comes down to is I think sometimes like not that it's hero worship or anything like that, but you you look at you look at a, a musician and and their trajectory and you and you view them as almost being larger than life. So it's like you become friends with them on social media and you're like, oh, that's cool. Like I feel like a connection to that person. And then you start interaction interacting with that person on social media and then you get that new sense of connection. So, and then you just, you never realize that you're going to have the opportunity to actually talk to that person or interact in some, in some kind of capacity beyond that. And I thought that was really cool that you were willing to, to, to reach out to me to make that connection. Oh yeah. I think, well, I think, well, once again, we started out talking about punk and I, to me, that's what it's about. And one of the reasons why it always does better in a smaller scene than a larger scene, even though it gets frustrating that you can't, you know, like make a living as easy anymore but it makes it a lot easier to communicate with people uh genuinely i think yeah exactly i totally 100 percent agree yeah and i was uh but i was talking to the guys in the cobains who i've been uh following for a, for a long time is as you heard mm-hmm. and the one question i i asked each one of them is what it was like working with you <laughs> um, you know, because I, I, because I don't know you personally, I, I've, I've seen the Cobains a few times with, with, uh, older lineups and stuff like that, but never met them personally as well. So knowing that there, there's that connection, I wanted to know how they felt working with you. Yeah. But I want to ask you, how was it working with those guys? Like, how did you guys get connected and, um, what was the genesis of starting the mitochondriacs? Well, there's a, there's a few different strings to pull on that one. Um, the first one is uh, just um, they've always been uh, they've always come to my house shows, you know, Mar- especially Marky. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, you know, then and I knew Maria before they knew uh, Mar- before she knew Marky or Eddie or any of them because she would come to the shows too and. Um, so I'd always been, uh, affiliated with them and, the, the, the Marky and Eddie were always helping out. Like they got a bad, uh, rap a long time ago and I never dug into that cause I just don't care about that stuff. Okay. Um, but I just got a, a whiff of that stuff. Like that Ben didn't like them and stuff. I'm like, I don't know. They're really nice to me. Like Marky's always lending equipment for shows, driving people around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were great. I mean, simple people just like real people <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> so uh, I, would, should be. I would see them occasionally and then i think i saw them in between being in japan and here i saw them play at uh not lounge x the one on um on fullerton by uh elston what is, is place that called? reggie's no no it's a, i can't think of the name of it right now they it's mentioned a bar. Reggie's a lot yeah, no, it's a it's a little bar. I can't remember the name of it. I, it might come to me. Uh, Elbow Room? No, 
<laughs> I don't I don't know. You'll get there eventually, John. I never I never go places. I rode on my bike and saw their show and they were really cool. And Eddie loves talking about music uh, and uh, he knows way more than I do. So I was just engaged with him. And then um, I came back this last time during the pandemic and was really lonely. And a lot of bad things has happened that I that I can't really get into. So I was just feeling really down on myself. And I think Eddie, Eddie must have sensed that because he was still someone that would just communicate with me. And I know him and Marky were, Marky was having a little bit of a dry spell with the, the band and he was just run down, I think being the, you know, the major writer in the band. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were just like, Hey, why don't you just come here and, um, you know, do a song with us. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And, uh, I think I originally I talked to Eddie about that. I had this Mope song, but I saved it. I didn't. That's not what I came in with. Uh, what I wanted to do is play with this anger that I was feeling inside. And I don't really put that into music. I usually try to let it uh, simmer before I write about it. But okay. uh, there was a lot of ugly stuff going on. So I wanted to release a lot of that. And I go, oh, the best energy for that is to reach back into like the boogada 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 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, where that music is all about that energy and that anger and that criticism. And I just decided to write from that perspective, which I didn't allow myself to do in even in blackouts. So you were writing from a much more kind of introspective. Yeah, way more introspective. Yeah. And also trying to uh, I worked a lot on trying to understand the difference between gender voices and understanding that with, with working with Liz and what is common and what isn't. So there's a lot of a lot of other play going on in that band. This one was just about raw anger just thrown at the audience but always done with comedy because that's important to me well i love that one song i'm trying to remember which song it is but you mentioned about did i just say something about sucking my own dick (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's that is one of our favorites to play now that's uh or sometimes or sometimes that's what i thought yeah (laughs) (laughs) i thought that was so hysterical because like having followed your 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 trajectory with music you always had humor yeah, but yeah. knowing you most recently for even in blackouts, you you like you said you were writing more f- for Liz as opposed or trying to give Liz her like trying to look at her perspective. Yeah, yes, into things, and that that's I think that's where like maybe your theater background comes to. You can very easily kind of put yourself into another person's shoes and write that perspective. Yes. So, I, mean, I would also say it was my perspective too, but her and I would talk a lot about lyrics. We did a lot of talking and cause I wanted oh, to come to a place where it made sense for both of us, you know, she oh, never absolutely. wanted to, yeah, I didn't ever want her to sing something she didn't feel right singing. So it was a, it was definitely a dialogue. Whereas this isn't as much, the music is a dialogue with, with those guys. Like, cause we create it. I mean, I write it and then that night or the next night we actually just record and rehearse and record are the same thing with mitochondria x <laughs> so it's just it's just very it's just very quick like you you write the song you present it you record yeah 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 i, I get there eddie uh puts down the drums and then we we do it and that's that's it it's really and i the writing style is the same way i don't i if i can't do it in like 10 or 15 minutes i'm not going to use that song nice
Uh, Maria, did I just insinuate that I'd like to stick my own dick up my own ass? Да, похоже на то. Huh. I guess I'm okay with that. Yeah. And sometimes, oh, sometimes, sometimes when I go to the Coliseum, I think it's just a worthless pile of rocks. mentioned you, you wanted to get back to more of that energy and that sound as boogada 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 yeah and that the early weasel days um and also dealing with all the all the personal things that were going on in your life yeah. um was the idea of the songs being contradictory to one another in play early on when you first started writing well, I first came in with hate because that's the most obvious way to be as predictable as you can with like <laughs> anger. And I, the idea, too, was the you know, even in Blackouts, I tried so hard to whenever I could be unique and not rely on stereotypes and just uh, came up with songs via more learning new chords and not based on like imitating something else. But this band was definitely all about imitating something else and hoping that our own individuality just comes out. So when I wrote Hate, I didn't, I didn't have any of those concepts because I just thought we would go in and do one song and we'd all go our separate ways and just be the friends we were doing before. Mm-hmm. But I had so much fun and it, it helped me so much. I mean, like I was not having happy days then and I would go there and it would be like, like bliss, It'd be like escaping. So it was almost and, like a therapy to you, yeah, right? And I, I felt, you know, this is my, I don't know, you know, I have the, I was supposed to be a teacher way back and then I, you know, mm-hmm. became a musician in theater. And I think there's always a part of me that wants to be that person and to, to nurture. And uh, I knew that those guys, you know, have had a bad rap and I thought maybe this might help them too. And I think they thought that too. So you were willing to help each other through yeah. whatever preconceived notions that maybe people had about you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes out, that comes out in the music too. I think it's, uh, and it comes out in the, what I believe that, you know the charity stuff all comes from that too. Like I really feel like I, I've I've done well for myself and owe it, owe it to you know myself and the world to help out whenever I can. But I just don't have the financial means to do it, you know, myself. So I'm using the music to do that too, and and that helps. It helps all of our. I mean, I mean to be really honest about it, it helps all our perceptions, you know, <laughs> out there. Yeah. But and also, I just love the idea of the, and that's where contradictions started occurring in my head because I'm like, oh, this is all about anger, but it's funny. I'm trying to be honest, but I'm also doing it to try to save face and these guys too. And it's really complicated. It sounds like, and the world is all, you know, opposition right now. And uh, I have always talked about living in the gray. So I was like, oh, it'd be really interesting to write songs that are called opposites but really are just they're all in the gray <laughs> there's nothing yeah, they're all they're all connected about the somehow. actual context yeah <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's where, on purpose that's i did it on purpose 
that's what I wanted to know. I was like, was it accidental or was it on purpose? And, and it, what lend, led to that? Once, once I wrote Love, uh, that, once that started coming out, then I was like, oh, these are, I'm playing with opposites. And that, mm. was, that was as simple as that was. And it made sense. Like I said, it made sense. Now, where did the, where did the name Mitochondriacs come from? We were actually just sitting in Marky's kitchen and uh, I just fell out of my mouth. I don't even, it's one of those things that just seems like they come from nowhere. We weren't even talking about like science or, or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I, in the back of my head, I must have known that they are, I'm going to have to do a little bit more studying before the show Saturday, but they are one of the things where cell gets its energy from. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't know, I don't know why I, I knew that when I said mitochondriacs. I didn't even know why I said it to them. And they were like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. And then I went back and read about it and go, oh, that's exactly what we should be called. It was like it somehow <laughs> got connected in the ether. You pulled it from the ether and it, it, it totally fit. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think I must have read about mitochondria somewhere and then just stored it in my brain. And then it just came out that night. There you go. Just like how inspiration just finds you, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, well, that's a lot of what you learn about like improvisation is that ability to, uh, to allow those accidents to flourish. Yeah. And that's cool when, when inspiration can, can hit you like that, because it's not even, like you said, you weren't even, you weren't even having a conversation about, about, about science or anything like that, but it just was floating there and you were just like, it popped in your head and you're like, huh. And then you yeah. go read about it later and you're like, oh my God, that was perfect from the jump. Like, this is exactly what, you know, what we needed, what we need the name to be. Yeah. And it really, I came up with it after the love and hate, I think it was on the love session. And then um, I went home and I, and I was like, oh, that looks like a fist. And I said, oh, love and hate. Those are, that's the fist thing with love and hate. Mm-hmm. And then it all, it all started, uh, you know, it all, that's what's cool about creativity is you open your brain to all that, all these different, uh, uh, things coming into your head that are not related and then you just combine them together and then the, some magic happens sometimes yeah and i and i love that that's able to able to come to you like that because i remember i don't know which episode it was but you had you had been talking about the the origin of the name even in blackouts yes about how you wanted that electric acoustic component because if anything if the electric ever went out you could still play so even in blackouts you could still play your music Yes, yes. I yes. thought that was so genius. Like that, that, that whole like, because when you look at the name on paper, you're just like, oh, okay, even in Black House. But then you learn the origin of the name and you're like, oh, that's perfect name. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'll tell you a little funny story. My friend who started the Neo Futures, Greg Allen, would, I would come to me sometimes because he loves the band. And, and when, I, when we started electrifying a little bit more, he goes, wow, you're using electricity. Isn't that against your idea? And I said, Greg, we're not only in blackouts, we're even in blackouts. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's so great. <laughs> That's funny right there. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like I, I, I just think it's cool. Like I, I've played in the I've played in bands as well, and um none to your 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 stature, of course, but I played in bands and that's the one thing that I always found the easiest to do was to come up with names. Mm-hmm. There was everything else that was difficult to come up with. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that way. I, uh, I think 
it's I have to be doing the band for a while before something surfaces. And that's okay. what happened with Weasel too, you know, the screeching weasel. I mean, it's kind of, that was another just big accident, but we weren't known as that. We were like all night garage sale and then we didn't mm-hmm. have a name. And then my friend just had that shirt with the screaming otter in it. And we just, I said, Oh, screeching. That's a good word for like, it's not yelling. It's not screaming. It's just like making horrible sounds. You know? <laughs> I, I had just told my buddy that story about the, about the, uh, the screaming otter. And it was like, yeah. no, how about a, what a screeching, how about a weasel, a screeching weasel. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I That's thought that was so good. Yeah, we were just <laughs> standing. I think we all just saw a movie together because we worked at the General Cinema Theaters and uh, my friend Matt Carlson was there and Matt Nelson and other people named Matt. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Matts. <laughs> <laughs> and I, we were just, I, I remember perfectly, we were just standing there in the in the lobby. And uh, we just started talking about the, his shirt. And then I can't remember who actually said it. I, it wasn't me or Ben that actually said the name of the band. I think it was Matt Carlson. Oh, okay. So, so that just it stuck, right? Yeah, yeah, it stuck. Yeah. like like that's a really that's a really cool thing about you too is you've been in multiple bands and you've been a part of even in blackouts almost as long as you were a part of screeching weasel yeah i think we're on 17 years right now i mean we don't we're not functioning full-time but we still uh we still play and create so i I still consider us together because we we didn't break up well yeah i listened to the interview that you that you did with liz and i which i thought was an amazing episode because I, I i i like the episodes where i don't know much about the person mm-hmm. and you had said at the beginning of the podcast when you kind of do your intro you were like you know she doesn't really do interviews this is like the first podcast she's done like she's very she she doesn't like to to be the center of attention even though yeah, she's that is true. yeah um, i've been trying to get her to do this mabel syndrome uh this female p- punk rock podcast that's pretty great and uh, it's like pulling teeth. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I, I get it. I've been around people that just don't have that in them. You, you know, yeah, they're just yeah. not, they're not built for that. But yeah, I, found... I didn't have it, you know, I mean, that's why, you know, Ben did all the talk, most of the talking. I, you know, I was, a, or more the observer. I don't think I really got comfortable with it until, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago. Or maybe I had to with even a black house. I think that's must've been when I started getting more comfortable with talking. Now, did you feel like, did, did you feel with even in blackouts that you had to be more of the, 
the quote unquote leader of the band as opposed to being a weasel. And you, you could always have been for that. Yeah, I definitely had to. I mean, uh, I, I guess I could have just completely disappeared in it and let the band survive just on its own sound. But I knew that I was bringing whatever audience to it already and that I had to at least use that to generate interest and to make mm-hmm. people understand, because I knew it was so different from what I had I had done before that I knew some explaining would have to happen. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like it. But I like it though because you always talk about how you were you felt more like the 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 manager or the financial guy and that the responsible person in Screechy Weasel, where you in you in you and you allowed Ben to do that. Did was it gratifying for you to finally kind of take that leadership role with with even in Blackouts? I think so. It was more gratifying because the the idea of the band was to uh, play live, and Ben just wasn't playing live. So I, I, I honestly, that's the that was the most gratifying thing. I don't I don't really I think I just naturally naturally. Uh, I gravitate towards some sort of a business mind. I don't know why. So I don't even think I thought about that aspect of it. I just knew that I could now have fun on stage with a bunch of fun people. And, and be around people that, that wanted to do something the same as you. And you didn't have to feel like you were pulling teeth or. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So a lot of it came really natural. I think to, to do that. Yeah. But I wanted to ask you about that business aspect because uh, by the time this uh, by the time this episode gets released, the, the cat will already be out of the bag. Um, but I, me and a buddy of mine who's from, we're from Western Pennsylvania, uh, North of Pittsburgh. Um, we started a, a record label. Um, and we recently, we're going to be, we're going to be putting out a comp and the comp will be out by the time this airs. Mm-hmm. And, um, which how I began to talk to a lot of people with correspondence for the comp. And, um, I, I was, you know, we wanted just to get, you know, bigger bands, you know, more people listen to the bigger bands, but I'll also lend that to lesser known bands as well, especially ones from around our area um, that we always don't feel like gets a lot of attention. So when we were coming with the idea of doing the label, my buddy was like, well, you can be more of the face of the group. You can be more of that, that, that outside, outward presence and I'll kind of stay in the background. It's like, he's like, you know about business and you know how to talk to people. You know how to do all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that led me to, to think about sitting up to talk to you. Um, what was that transition like for you starting a label with Panic Button? Like, did you, were you, did you feel like you were more like the, uh, the, the numbers guy and the, and the marketing kind, kind of business person with, with the label? Yeah, I, I, the thing about looking at it in retrospect is you can put purposes behind it. But I think in the moment, like a lot of that stuff wasn't really thought about. It was just the patterns that Ben and I had started forming, you know, mm-hmm. uh, our jobs within the band were I never even really spoke about. I just started doing the money stuff. He started doing the lawyery type stuff. You know, he didn't really like singing other people's songs. So he became the songwriter. So that became obvious. So and I was actually better at personal relationships than him like you know so i became more of the mother of the band and nurturing and that's exactly how the label worked too it was exactly it was just like being in the band is exactly the same yeah he was like that he's like you like i don't really know anybody but it seems like you know everybody so you can be the person that 
gets all the information and gets the files and do all that kind of stuff yeah, and yeah, be that yeah. sociable person. And I'm like, yeah. and then plus I went to, I went to high, I went to a vocational school and my vocation, my, uh, the stuff I was doing in the school was business marketing. So I always kind of did have that background. I'm just not necessarily like an accountant or anything like that. I just yeah. know the basics to, to yeah, I always liked, I always liked math too. So that kind of worked too. I was do, always doing that with the band anyway. I was just counting things. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was in charge of counting things. <laughs> you were, you were, you were keeping, you were keeping track of all the royalties and bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And just counting things. <laughs> just, just in the house, counting M&Ms, you know, just normal, yeah, yeah. normal jughead stuff. <laughs> and sometimes quite literally, we got to the point, you know, where, venues were ripping us off so i would stand by the door and count people coming in with my little counter <laughs> oh, no <laughs> shit really <laughs> that's funny you were just like you would head count everybody coming in yeah and then it happened we actually came in handy a couple times uh some guy said you know we only had this many paying and i go nope look at this this is how much you're paying right here oh man <laughs> i can't believe a band of your caliber would still have to worry about things like that well i'm this is i'm talking about this is you know way back in the way back machine when you know when weasel used to tour like in 1991 
before I let you go. Um, you, you do a lot of episodes of your podcast where you 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 have some kind of connection with with uh, individuals, like I said, whether it's Dan or or Larry Livermore or Matt. Mm-hmm. Um, what has been some of your favorite episodes or episodes that you were excited about that included people that you really didn't have a, 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 a previous relationship with? Yeah, that's, uh, let me, maybe I'll try to stick to the, the recent stuff I'm doing instead of the album dissections. Cause that, that is, but there, oh, that's I mean, right, were, you do do that too. Yeah. yeah but sure. I did reach out to a lot of people in those days that I never thought I would have talked to. Like one of my favorite bands was the feelies. A lot of, not a lot of, actually a lot of those were ones that weren't, directly punk but had some punk influences and like david j from the bauhaus i never thought i'd be talking to that guy on a phone (laughs) (laughs) and um but i in the recent ones i just did uh dave faulkner from uh uh, hoodoo gurus which is one of my all-time favorite bands too in australia i had no idea he would just talk to me i mean i just uh, sent him an instagram message and he got back to me like in five minutes that's just the type you know it's different types of people that people are you know Oh wow! He just so you were like me. you were like with him like how I am with you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just finally just did it. I just sent him a message, and he got back to me. And then within a week, we were uh, you know we were chatting face to face on Zoom. That was a pretty big one for me. Uh, I don't. You know, my reason I, I've been doing a lot of friends that are famous. Uh, it's because it's helping the podcast, but also because I'm nurturing myself to uh, be more genuine and but fortright and uh, willing to ask things other people don't ask and it's harder to get that out of famous people that that do this all the time like mm-hmm. it was really it was he was great and he talked to me but you could tell it was really hard to get him out of that the rapport they get into about talking about their history and their band okay. um so the one i really had a breakthrough with and it's he's not even huge but the one that i really was proud of was uh rev norb Reverend Norb. <laughs> oh yeah, that was a great episode. Yeah, yeah, because even Paul Schroeder, he sent me a message uh, like a day or two later. That's his guitarist said, mm-hmm. "I've never seen someone reach uh, Norb like that." Oh, that's awesome. So I was pretty happy with that. You were you were able to you were able to create that sense of comfortability, which is I think I don't know if it's your voice or your demeanor. But you you have a very calming sense of your voice that I think allows people to kind of, you know, we talk about psychology, but almost gives that kind of sense of like comfort, you know, like a blanket one. You know what I mean? That you're able to kind of reach people like that. Yeah, I'm glad I have that. But I'm also I actually I am doing some psychological tools that you hear about in like salesmen or advertising which is to use someone's name periodically which i don't do in real life because i'm so bad at names but mm-hmm. i definitely make an effort to say someone's name quite a bit in the podcast that the same which, here yeah i've learned yeah. that that might have been a technique that i've learned from you is yeah, yeah. To, to constantly to remind the listener and also make the guest feel like you're you're addressing them as opposed to addressing the podcast yeah. Yeah, and I think just a natural interest in in what the person is talking about is always helpful too. Oh, that helped a lot with Greg Turner. I could tell with, I I think I saw it happen in that interview where he was like, "Oh, this guy really cares about what I'm doing with my life." <laughs> yeah, and because I'm sure a lot of people blow smoke up these people's asses too. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. And that's another thing I'm trying not to do. I'm trying. You know, I'll have moments of like, 
oh, I love this thing you're doing that. But I, I try to be as honest as, as I can and mm-hmm. and just be excited about the things that I'm really excited about. Yeah. But like I'm, I'm really, like I said, I enjoy listening to the podcast. And when I found out you were doing the mitochondriacs, it made me even more excited because you haven't done anything with even in blackouts in quite a while. So it was it was nice to see that you were you were doing music again, you know, that you were allowing yourself that that creative outlet to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I think what's interesting, I'll say this because I want to not 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 say it, but. Yeah, I, and I'm not competing against myself because that's ridiculous. But <laughs> part of <laughs> I knew this would happen too. But part of my frustration is that I spent sef- 17 years like nurturing even in blackouts, which I think is the it, theater or anything. It's the best thing I've ever done. I don't expect people to listen to it because I say that, but it is. I, and then I, to just I, be I able to that. do this, do this band like Mitochondriacs, that's fun, but so goddamn easy. And all of a sudden, it's got more exposure than even the blackouts did, like in three or four years. You know. <laughs> yeah, and you said too. You said you said on your podcast too. You were like, "This is, it's nice to go approach music in a very raw and emotional level." Yes. You, like yeah. it's it's not that not that even in blackouts is motion emotionless or anything. Oh no, it's but, definitely emotional, but it does have a distance, and I, I compare it to mm-hmm. like my love of. Uh, bring philosophy back in albert camus uh was known for uh writing stuff with like from a distance you know it's really emotional stuff he's talking about a plague but -hmm. there's a distance uh and then what his last uh manuscript the the last man or the only man i can't remember that i think you said something the only man i believe yeah the only yeah but he got into a yeah car crash and died and they took that manuscript and and printed it and you could tell the difference like he didn't separate himself from it quite right uh i mean he didn't and and it reads differently so i I guess i all i'm saying is i'm clarifying that even blackouts to me is a very emotional band but it has a little bit of distance where mitochondrics is like an exposed nerve yeah it's more in your face and you're in you're just you're looking at it boom 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 like you said you write it you bring it to the bit you bring it to the other guys and then you record it and there's no there's no overthinking there's no I mean, I'm sure it's really similar to what you were doing as a teenager. You know what I mean? Being able to come up with songs quickly and just bang them out. Yeah, there is a lot of, and like I said, I'm 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 allowing myself to repeat myself, which I've always uh, tried not to do in general. I know you always, you know, you're not going to ever be completely original, but this is the first band where I decided, uh, no, I'm just going to give into what what made you know screeching weasel popular with boogada and try to emulate it and you and you also and i think also too besides just that aspect of it i'm sure it was just very freeing just to like you said let those let those feelings out and that it was therapeutical in a in a very in a very raw sense like you said a raw nerve yeah yeah I just don't think I've ever really felt confident that I could do it. I mean, I always relied on Ben being there to bounce those ideas off of because he was a champion at it, you know, mm-hmm. and I never really whenever I wrote stuff like that, even for even in Black House, when I tried to write more punky stuff, I, I just I don't even like those songs. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I was worried I wouldn't even be able to do it. So were you surprised by how easily they came out? Yeah, I still didn't think they were good, but then they then they really I think by the time I did the Never Always or sometimes the second one I was like, "Oh, 
yeah, I think I found my stride. I think these are good. <laughs> and then you just kept going and kept on making really great songs. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So no, I, I had to slow down just because we don't have time to do them now. But I got, you know, and I don't want to, like I said, I want to keep the band pure like that, where I don't really write anything in advance. I just, we schedule a date and I write something that week, you know. Nice. Now, you so, guys have a, a show coming up, correct? Yeah, we're at the Beat Kitchen with, uh, speaking of uh, Revenor, we're, we're at the Beat Kitchen with, uh, with uh, uh, I just got their name. Boris the Sprinkler. <laughs> Boris the Sprinkler, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Moans, and uh, I, I just call it Kyle Kinane's band because I've never heard his band. I just know it because it's my friend Kyle Kinane playing. Yeah, I, I know. I, of course, I know who that is, but I, I didn't know he had a band. So now I do. yeah, he had a band like back in the I think you know late nineties. I think it's from. Yeah, I remember he was playing in something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, when you when when when's that when's that show being held? That's this Saturday, the October 9th, So it's soon. So oh, this, okay. it'll be in the past when this comes out. It'll probably. be past when it comes out. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, well, like I said, I would have put your episode out sooner, but we're, you know, we, we launched, we're launching the label um, on the 8th and then we're making the physical copies available on the 11th. So I wanted to make sure to get that episode out first. And then I want, then I wanted your episode to come out. Yeah, and, no, and plus no. it gave it a little time for me really to edit you know your yeah. episode and stuff so yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not uh using this to promote my show <laughs> <laughs> i'm just surprised past. you wanted to come on my show john <laughs> to be honest that's the only reason i'm doing this you're not going to get it out before the show <laughs> <laughs> well now i gotta put it out now john like what the hell man i gotta put off quicker <laughs> Oh. Yeah, well, okay we'll put off the show we'll put the show off yeah no no don't do that give, give the people what they want man give the people well i think give the people what they don't know they want that's what i would like to do i think they'll know i think they'll know they want it i, I really do they'll they'll know <laughs> just like when the name hit you like they're they're gonna they're already know, right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but john thank you so much for coming on the podcast man oh sure it was, was a great. really a blast getting to talk to you uh get to know you uh, on a personal level it's been a lot of fun uh like i said i don't use the word hero worship but um being a fan of yours for a very long time not only because of music but because of the podcast as well like i'm very humbled and honored that you that you reached out to me oh well thank you very much it's, you're welcome it's good to talk to you Yes, and, and enjoy the rest of your day and enjoy your visit with your girlfriend who's coming back and yes. enjoy all that face-to-face -face time with her. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, you're welcome, John. You take it easy. And all like right. I said, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. -bye. Bye.